Hey, what's up, Bluntheads? Welcome to another Bluntcast, which aired originally on our Facebook page. Uh, you can catch the video there or watch the full video on our YouTube page. In this Bluntcast, we sat down with Damon C. Williams. He's an award-winning journalist who's written uh, for the Philadelphia Daily News. I think he was there for a decade, and then the Philadelphia Tribune. Most of his work focused on local politics. And uh, Damon's also released a memoir available on Amazon called Soul and Ink, The Memoir of a Journalist. Maybe more importantly, while at the Daily News, Damon started a rap and hip-hop column in the 90s focusing on local Philly artists. It was one of the first, if not the first, of its kind uh, in any metropolitan newspaper. Thanks to everyone out there who helped make us a Philly Magazine Best of 2020 winner. And shout out to our sponsors, Shy Vintage Sports, where you can find unique vintage-style shirts and hats. There's a story in every stitch at Shy, Shy Vintage Sports, Philly-owned, Philly artist. And johnville.com for the observations, rants, and ramblings of a Philly bloke. This bloke in particular. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all as The Philly Blunt. And stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and enjoy this interview with uh, the talented Damon C. Williams. It's the sound of Philadelphia. Oh, once again... Uh, as you know, we so often do having somebody on the show who wears many hats, uh, <laughs> Knight Philly's hat, but he is uh, a writer, he is a journalist, author, community organizer, uh, worked for the city for uh, many years, uh, program coordinator. Please welcome Damon Williams to the show. Woohoo! I'm Mr. Williams. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, wow. Thank you for such a layup, guys. I, I appreciate it. And again, I'm humbled <laughs> to be here. So, uh, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, you've got the... You, you say that the, now, in like five minutes, you'll be like, what am I doing? It's Friday night. Why am I hanging <laughs> oh out with these guys? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you know, one reason we wanted to talk to you is because you've been on the inside, both with newsrooms, but you're also a reporter who's covered a lot of politics. You've covered, you know, with... with absolutely. The Daily News, and then you've also then actually been in the Senate, so you've seen politics from the other side. So yeah. we're talking about two things that yeah. are really under fire right now, which is the news, as you were just saying, and also local right. government. Uh, and I guess we'll start with the news. You know, you were with the Daily News for quite some time. You were with the Tribune for quite some time, and you've been there as we've seen a radical shift. Right. Like right. when you started, journalism was one thing. And what journalism is now is a radically different thing. What, Absolutely. What, what's your view on both what you were doing when you started and what you see it as now? Uh, well, when I started, I, I was really brought up by the old school type of cats in the game, the Elmer Smiths, the, the Paul Mariniaks, the uh, flies of the world. Uh, and they're the ones that told me. Uh, taught me the game of how to have integrity in your writing, how to be fair. You know, if you don't like something, you cannot make it personal, <clears throat> excuse me, as a reporter. So I was always taught that the facts would speak for themselves, that uh, to not look for the gotcha moment, because we're all human, politicians, MCs, whomever. So don't just try to... Um, you know, turn it into the TMZ culture, I guess, as you could you can see what's going on now. So right. I was brought up in the game as a totally different thing. Um, that game has since devolved due to uh, the rapid consumption of news and news agencies wanting to be first uh, visa online publishing. They know that, uh, or they say, 
that people's attention span is shrinking. So therefore, you have to be the first with the news and you have to shrink it and condense it where enough where the common uh, consumer is getting enough of the information that'll get them by. I don't agree with that. Uh, that's not a way that I would do news, but that's the way the powers that be have done it now. And as you see, <clears throat> with the breakup of the big news entities like um, Knight Ritter, so forth and so on, that uh, newspapers start to have a more powerful voice. They control their own agenda more so now than ever. So the real onus comes down to the publisher and the day-to-day -day editor for the changes that be made or the changes that's going on that, uh, that I particularly don't appreciate. Uh, you know, there was a time when, uh, you know, journalists have a bad enough reputation. Uh, lately, they haven't been helping themselves with a lot of the scandals that we've seen, and they haven't figured out a way to have a voice against this onslaught of yellow journalism. You know, they haven't found a way to make a concise argument against the label of fake news. I never had to deal with that. You know, I, I've been sued by both, um, uh, I'll say, by white people and black people and by politicians <laughs> of both, on both sides. So I, I, I can talk that because, you know, I know it in that kind of sense. So, but that's what I see now. And then you have bloggers and some news that uh, do not fact check. Uh, they don't, they haven't studied like the AP style book guide. Uh, it's little things like that that leads up to people having a general disregard for the true news, for the true reporters that's out there, for the ones that's literally getting their asses beat while they're on the front line covering some of these um, some of these rallies that we've seen, some of the riots. Uh, and also reporters like the backbone uh, that I say that I was taught with to ask, the, to be fair, but to ask the pertinent questions and to make sure you drag the answer out of them. So you you ball all that up, and that's kind of where we're at. When you, when you watch these uh, White House uh, – sorry, Greg. No, go ahead, man. Uh, um, I was just going to ask, like, when you see these, like, the White House press conferences and stuff like that, as a, as a reporter, as a journalist, what are you thinking when you watch this? And, and what do you, what is on your mind? Like, do you wish you were there and could say certain things? Or are you glad you have no part of that? Uh, that's a good question, man. And I feel kind of both for that. Because uh, when I was just covering Hillary Clinton coming here to speak and being able to be in a room with her, just the clearances alone, it's just something that every day I wouldn't want to go through. Um, the White House Press Club is like a certain type of agency and fraternity into itself. And kind of sort of breaking in that, you have to um, be willing to do things and sacrifice things and compromise things that I'm not willing to do. Uh, I do wish that I was in the room sometimes. I do absolutely wish that the journalists that were there, some do. Some do, but I wish that they would stay more so on point, make sure that they that the president or whoever they're talking to, but most likely the president either is forced to walk away or answer the question. You know, he shouldn't be allowed to identify, uh, he shouldn't be allowed to get away with the offense, uh, offensive comments and stature that he has. Uh, reporters in the White House room 
need to really have, you're seeing it now, but they really need to stick up for one another. And they really sort of need to treat it sort of like the tail end of the Nixon administration. But, you know. Yeah, I've often wondered when you watch that and they, when uh, the press secretary or the president just move on to someone, I'm always yeah. wondering why the next journalist just doesn't ask that same question and just keep asking that same question over and over again. Are you absolutely? Is that what was happening at the end of the Nixon days? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that it was because the uh, the press had a a big job in dealing and him getting uh, him putting his resignation in. Uh, It started with the coverage. It was slow, but once the Watergate coverage started, reporters were hammering Nixon and making it sure that you know the greatness of the country, as it were is greater than him. So in a lot of respects, the media kind of helped drive Nixon to his resignation. Uh, since this is improbable with this president that we have now, it's imperative, I think, that the media should do more of its job. I know that they're frustrated. I know that they're flabbergasted. I know that they're tired. And I know that they're being browbeat by this guy every day. But they are the ones that have the power. If they were to realize that, if the press as a whole would realize that they have the power in that room when they're covering this president and they acted as a tight unit like that, you would see more information come out of it. But each reporter there has their own agenda as well. Each reporter is trying to curry their favor for the next administration. They know that things are going to likely go the way they are. So they're trying to curry favor, even maybe down ticket, you know. It's going to be jobs to be had uh, after this. You seem like a really nice guy. Who would sue you? Name some names. Who sued you? Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, <laughs> I got sued. I wish I had it down here. I got sued one time by a white graphical artist duo that was working with Ghostface Killer and did an airbrush of him of the Supreme Clientele album. Numbered and everything. And the article, as Reef will tell you, sometimes articles just don't happen. You right. know, sometimes, it, it, you know, I can't even give you a good reason why. Like, it just wasn't space. The shit fell through. It was an error from the copy desk. You know, Reef will tell you, I always call it straight. You know, if we mm-hmm. can do it, we can do it. If we can't, we can't. Otherwise, I'll tell you what happened. The editor at that time wasn't interested and the artwork of this crew. But they had sent the Ghostface joint to the Daily News. So they had sued me claiming that I was being a racist because I wouldn't write about this white dude. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, then one time, yeah. Don't so, you see that I love that, hip-hop? I did Ghostface. <laughs> what do you want from me? And will tell you, I tried to be more than fair. Reef oh, no, dude. You covered everybody. You covered everybody, man. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. You, know yeah I mean? you covered everybody. If I, I wanted didn't to, like somebody, yeah. I would not write an article saying they should suck. Yeah. I would never do that. Right. I would never be like, oh, this cat put something out and this was garbage. I just wouldn't write about it. Right. right. But if it right. was halfway decent... I would say that it was cool, but if it was elite, like where Reef was at, like where Viral was at, rest in peace, where these cats was at, I would say that this was elite shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of where that's at. But I, 
on the on the flip side of that, on the serious or on the serious news side of things, I was sued one time by a politician over my editing of a uh, editorial that he wrote. Um, how that story happened was he. This is when I was on the copy desk and uh, working my way up to writing and whatnot. Mm. And um, so I had to process the letters to the editors, you know, write them joints up or whatever and pass them to the uh, editorial page editor. So somehow some uh, edit got into the paper saying that this cat was selling Special K out of his bar in Fish Tank. <laughs> so, dude, yes. So they came to, I'm trying to remember the politician's name, but, um, Johnny Dot. It was Johnny Dot who sued me. Wow. Oh, wow. Who sued me. That and, sounds uh, about right. That yeah, sounds oh, about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he probably was selling K out of that fucking bar. Did, did you win? Did you win? Oh, let me tell you how this shit went down, man. Yeah. So, he, the lawyer oh, comes to the Daily now News. Stuff the, Johnny. The, daily, the Daily News, the editor, Johnny Dot's editor came to Daily News, worked up. Like, something has happened. I don't know why you're insinuating my client is some kind of big drug dealer that fish town locked down, but somebody needs to do an apology and somebody needs to be fired. So Zach Starberg, who was the publisher at the time, called everybody from the editorial staff in that had anything to do with the letter, right? And I know my colleagues and whatnot, and, you know, we all get down, and I'm people. So I'm not going to say that somebody did something and that they didn't do it. And besides, I'm I'm innocent on this shit. So, so Zach Starberg is literally ticking read in the letter, and I get a like my heart start dropping because <laughs> I remember processing the letter. So I'm like, oh shit, okay, Zach, y'all, that was my letter. But I surely wouldn't say that you know he's trying to pump you know, special care out of some bar. <laughs> you know, that just don't make sense. Where would I even get that from? Well, he is suing us, and you got to have to go make a statement. Dude, hey, we made a statement in the office of um, George Bachetto. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the guy he's suing to see the Columbus statues. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, his office looked like something really out of the movie. You, see, you go into that <laughs> joint, it's like rich oak panels, like leather boxing gloves in the joint. It looks real, like... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the real devil's hey. advocate up in that Teddy house. Teddy Roosevelt's <laughs> office circle. Uh, like he, I think he's involved with the boxing commission too. Cause I was shook from when I took a first step in the joint. So now I'm there with his lawyer. Johnny Doc comes in and we look at each other and we give each other kind of blank looks. Like, well, we don't know each other. <laughs> Daily News editor, the Daily News lawyer comes in. I never seen her. I just know that I had a lot of paperwork beforehand. So it's George Bruschetto, Johnny Doc, the Daily News lawyer, and me. I'm the only black dude in there, of course, <laughs> right? So, and I'm really like, I'm really like shaking, like, yo, I didn't do anything, but I think they really going to fire me over this joint. Right. This, right. Is, this is before I was writing like that. Okay. There would have been no kind of steeds or nothing in the face. Right, 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 so, right. Yeah, right? So <laughs> what happened was the lawyer, George Bishop, like, do y'all know each other? I'm like, i never seen dude a day in my life. I don't even know because I wasn't covering politics like that at the time to know him. 
And uh, Johnny was like, well, I guess, I don't know, dude. He don't look like a political type of enemy, anything like that, no subversion, no kind of thing going on. So, well, we just need a, a written apology from you saying you did it. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I know about the signed documents and all yeah, yeah. that. So I don't Let's know back it up, back it up. Me signing, exactly, about me signing something. So we step out the office. The lady from the Daily News was like, just, just sign it. It'll go away. Just, you know, just sign your name. It'll go yeah, away. Yeah, sure, you sure. Don't have to worry about that. And I'm like, but that's saying that I did something that I did not do. All right. right. So it ended up that George Rochetto's like, we will have future considerations on that. Next thing I hear about it, it like fall off. Months pass, it comes out that the editorial page editor had a beef with Johnny Doc and slid that in there as it wow. was going out the print. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. So that's, yeah, so that's... Did you, that's, did you get an apology from everybody for that? Like, damn, yeah, they could have ruined you. Bro, I never got an apology from anyone in journalism to this day. For a little backstory for the people that don't know our history or, or your history as far as the hip-hop scene in Philly, oh, like yeah. you, you were the first person that I ever knew to have a weekly uh, column that was dedicated to all the the new music and shows that were going on in the underground hip hop scene in Philly. What drew you to that and what made it important to you to highlight that? Because it had never been done before. And I mean, you didn't just meet us, you know, you had us come to the daily news. You had us take our photos with these guys that take photos for, you know, mayors and presidents when they come to town. And I remember Mm. the looks we would get sometimes when we were walking through the hall and your yeah. dreads would be bouncing, yeah. and we, you know, we smelled yeah. a little, little, little heavy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and um, yeah, I, mean. I just, I had so much respect for you because you could see people kind of confused, like, who's this guy? Like, why is he bringing him up here? And um, yeah. yeah, just tell us about how you decided to do that and, and what made it uh, a special for you. Yeah. yeah, thank you for asking that, man. And um, I want to say people may think that that thing hopped up overnight. Like, you know, just all of a sudden, Friday, it was in the paper. It took me a year to get to that point. Before before we, before you even seen the first, you know, hip-hop headquarters piece, it was a year prior to that convincing the Daily News that they needed it. And my, my approach was that I was taught to provide the paper with something that they lacked, right? So they had they had jazz, they had pop music, but they didn't have they didn't have reggae, they didn't have like local hip hop. They damn sure didn't have that. You know, <laughs> they didn't really care. They they didn't really care. They act like this whole you know creative community didn't exist, right? And I'm trying to put them on to it. And in that time, I'm doing like little writing, showing them that I'm technically able to do it because this is about to be a big shift for them and for me at the paper. So Mike Days was the editor at the time. And I was like, yo, you need to you need to have some hip hop in the paper. You're missing a whole segment. You know, cats don't have a reason to check the paper out, but if you shed some light on them, they do it. You know, for a solid year, I've been after Mike for that. One day, he must have just got tired of me like asking or something. And he was like, all right, turn it around for tomorrow. 
at that point, I was like, shit, I didn't think that he was going to ever say yes. I wasn't really prepared to turn something around for the next day, especially for the next day. So I relied on my old instinct of listings. Um, started with that, make sure that I, I started to get to know the artists, know their patterns, know the, the shows that um, that we would have in like a Silk City, like a Latanza, get to know the promoters there. So I would make sure that um that they were solid on that because I never wanted to do like a show right up and then it not happen. Or, you know, come out and something shady is going on or something like that. I gotta tell you, Reeve, it was a it was like Herculean effort, bro, to get them to accept what um what we was doing. Mm. You know, it, it, it really was because you had a, a very old school uh kind of look at it people at that time especially in the, the late 90s early 2000s looked at like hip-hop more as like a, a thug type tractor they were scared to touch it nowadays they glamorize the shit nowadays you go to itunes you you, you see that people you know oh yeah he did five years for this. he did four <laughs> years for that and all that but when i was writing that cats was just coming home they wanted explanations on that and it was coming home, like, you, you know how cats talk? You know, yeah, he just came home and he put this together. So I would want to catch the most natural voice as possible. So I would want to keep that quote in the joint, and that would get flagged by, like, five editors. Whoa, what do you mean it's coming? What, what does that mean? And then I would have to explain it to them in a way that would make it palatable enough for them to want to publish it. So it was a lot of fight. It, so you're talking about like changing, you have to change department. your slang and things like that? Absolutely. I had to get super creative to write around the slang, but make sure that it was still respected by, you know, by the reefs of the world. Right. Because uh, I wasn't just, I wasn't just doing it for fun. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, you know, take no light for myself. I just wanted to make sure it reflected rightly on, you know, the real producers, the real, you know, givers of the culture. So it would be some times, and it was times where I had to do like three jobs at once. Cause I was still in the early days, if you'll remember, I would be doing like some of my copy desk work. Reef would slide through and we would chat for like an hour. I'd have him take a photo, but then I'd be like, all right, I got to get back to the desk. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of that type of thing going on. It only really changed when people started noticing it, when they noticed the uptick in, um, in readership and people started wanting to get into it more. And, uh, and I say once established artists were also featured in there. And I say like the Jazzy Jabs, I would work them into a show. Like say if Reef was performing with somebody like a National Cat or something, I would work them both in. Uh, I would do that like when Prophets of the Ghetto did a show opening for Beanie Man at the Electric Factory. I would tie that. I would try to tie it in that kind of way. So um, it, it was rough sledding, man, but that's what made me want to do it. It was I just wanted to provide a voice to uh, to a craft that I really wholeheartedly appreciate and, and love. It's You know, I might not like every MC. You know, I'm a critic. Like, so I'm, I'm not going like I got a high bar on shit. So, but you know, I, I feel honored to be the one to be able to have covered it. Uh, honestly, I don't know if we're ever going to see that type of coverage 
in a mainstream paper uh, again. No, I don't think so. Just really, just with a real focus on the the underground or the unsigned talent, Mm -hmm. you know, and having them um, have pictures taken and that sort of publicity, I don't think we're ever going to, you know what I mean? Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's so, a yeah, we had a uh, George George Miller was a writer. My man. He's, he's been a guest uh-huh. here. He just commented live on Facebook. He said, Damon used to bring all kinds of characters walking through the office, handing out CDs <laughs> to a bunch of journalists who looked really confused. <laughs> exactly. The looks we would get up there, man, were, were golden, man. Right, right. They were golden. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. It was beautiful, though. It was beautiful. Because that they would have that was forcing them to open their eyes, and right. you can tell that some was really like scared, like especially when like two <laughs> or three or four cats would come in. You know what I mean? Oh my god! I was I was doing this joint like cats was notorious for that. Bernie <laughs> All Stars would bring like twenty dudes through. You know what I mean? I'd be like, yo, we cannot fit all of these cats in, and y'all are really giving security an issue. That's when I started sending a photo, the, the uh, photographer, out to the record stores. Remember we did that holiday? I don't know if you remember, we, we did that holiday shot, and it was like, uh, it was like Steph, it was you, mm-hmm. and it was like Supreme, and it was all of us in the, all of y'all pretty much in the picture. So okay. I was sending them, you know, I was sending them out to do it. Reed don't know, because he did like a million type of joints, and, you know, <laughs> but it's all, it's all archived. Nice. Yes. Yes. What kind of what kind of look would Stu Bykowski give you guys? (laughs) Oh my God! That guy would since he was in his office, he would either be gone by that time, or his office would be closed. Uh, He would not, you know, he would be straight oblivious to it. Um, I I purposely did most of the photography at night because that was uh, one, you know, cats is working, so it's better to have them at night. Two, the photo department was less busy at night. Yeah. So I knew we could get into the photo room and it not be too much too much drama. But, what, 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 um, was your relationship with, like, what, what was your relationship with guys like Stu and those that, that had names in the city for, for being, you know, hardcore? I took them on, man. Yeah. Yeah, I took them on, man. I, I took them on. It was from the, um, from, from the move issue. You know, from the uh, Mumia Abu Jamal situation to uh, <clears throat> situations where he was writing about. I even had to take him on one time when my wife was going through her immigration and she was getting her green cards. So it was it was more ideological. Uh, but I can tell you the the real beef was between me and John Takeoff. That was John Takeoff was a, a pop music dude there. And okay. <laughs> he was like a type dude that like wanted to piss on territory. Like, this is my beat. You can't cover it. Or <laughs> if somebody like major is coming through town, I'm covering it. He would be the type dude that would get like the, the uh, review like turntables or music equipment. And he would keep the shit. So, <laughs> he would have, like, so they told me I never been invited to his house. But they said his house is decked out at the time with all the flyers, electronics that he didn't pay anything for. <laughs> this is all review models, but he got them up in his crib, like, you know what I mean? So oh, man. that was, me and him had a big falling out one time where he tried to scream on me at the Daily News in front of everybody. 
and I was not having that shit. So we kind of like, <laughs> I mean, had a little scream session because I was busy and I couldn't take a phone call. So you know how record agents uh, be all like hype about the shit, yeah. you know? So they they somehow got to him and he calls himself marched into the front of the Daily News saying that I'm not going to take your phone calls and all this cursing. So I stood up. No, who the fuck are you cursing at? <laughs> and it got to a uh, to a thing like that. That was like one of maybe three type of uh, you know scream downs that I've had internally at the paper. There's been there's been some there's been some issues though. But yeah, he man, was. That, I'm looking at him up reason, now. Man. He was there 44 yeah. years at the Daily News. Holy <laughs> wow. shit! Yeah, man. He was. I Holy think he was shit. there back when it was the Bulletin. Wow. I really do. <laughs> he was like great grandfather then, if you dig what I'm saying. Him and right. um, him and Joe Porter at the time, you know, and they were endemic of a of a you know of a few generations ago thinking, but they wielded a lot of power in the newsroom because readership told the paper so. Right, right. You know, well, that's just that's just what that is. I know you've uh, you you posted on Twitter talking about. You know, people, you're starting to see some introspection in newsrooms because newsrooms are overwhelmingly white. And so the mm -hmm. stories that get told is white. And, I, you know, we're seeing a lot of newspapers saying, oh, wow, wait a second. Maybe, maybe we need to tell yeah. some different stories. You're, you're sitting there yeah, and yeah. posting on Twitter, you know, like everybody's wondering about diversifying the newsroom. And in Philly, and somebody that knows the city, well, what's up? Yet here, I, yet here I sit with that. I got an interesting point about that, man. I just think it's the way I get there. Because you can't, uh, not to talk too much shit on, on how I do, but the awards speak for themselves. The thousands mm -hmm. of bylines speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. The access that I've had and the people that know me on a first name basis, I'm talking real people like Madeline Albright. You know, Paul Rusesa Bagina, you know, Louis Farrakhan, you know, people that I've really, really talked to and really provided a real fair platform for, they know the time. The plaques, you know, I've been, you know, honored. So the only thing that I can boil it down to, real shit, <laughs> is personality and how I view news and how serious that I take it and I just think that the editors at the papers that be, I'm for real with this, at the Daily News, at the Philadelphia Tribune, at the Philadelphia Gay News, at the Philadelphia Business Journal, all of them know that my credentials are beyond dispute. So if my credentials are beyond dispute, then it has to be something else. And I, I really feel like the something else is my perspective on inner city news. They talk that shit, it made good good snapshot. Oh, Time says we're going to diversify. Philly Mag says they want to diversify on Instagram, and I wave at them like, "Hey, and they <laughs> like my comment." But I'm no band leader. Everybody can reach me, you know. So no, my my email hasn't gone off. It's dry, you know, as far as that goes. You know, mm -hmm. no nobody has reached out to uh, come back. The Tribune doesn't want me back. You know, the Daily News doesn't want me back for whatever reason. It's up to other people to ask them. Because when I ask them, you know, I get a tone deaf response. Mm. You, you think you think it has real. to do with the fact you have to think it has to do with the fact that you don't that you speak your mind. Right. Because I don't conform. 
And I really think that that's the issue. If I see it a certain way, in a balanced kind of way, but in a balanced way, you can reach this decision, or you know that the Daily News or any paper is lacking their coverage, or you see nepotism, or you see cronyism infecting the newsrooms, and you see it affecting the editorial slants of the newsroom, that's a problem that I'll call them out on. I've done had that issue. Now, at the Daily News, I'm going to keep it really real with y'all because I'm a little riled up about this point. They can find me when their asses is getting sued. Mike Days, the publisher, can find me when the Daily News is getting sued to have their lawyer ask me, how did the Tribune handle a defamation case? Real shit. So they can find me for that, right? But they can't find me to walk up and down West Philly to ask West Philadelphians how they feel about this. They can't, they can't find me to really talk to the black politicians to really get the inside dirt on what's going on. They can't, they can't come to me when they need somebody to ask real questions about the budget or real questions about the school district, but they all talk it. The Tribune has some nerve because I've already, I've already won awards for them. So that was the most recent of the two. So they want to say they want to go in a different direction. And you see the quality of that when you look at the paper. And it's not just my byline that's missing. There's several others. But since we're talking about me, though, I'm going to keep it about me. So I'm saying when you don't see that byline, you know what I mean, then you know that perspective is missing. And yeah. if people know, I believe that editors are intrinsically smart people. So if they know that, and they know that Damon Williams is here, wouldn't it behoove an editor to at least have that conversation? See, see where, see where Damon is at in the world. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's all I'm saying, and that's what I meant by that tweet. So they should be ashamed of themselves. All of them organizations need to be ashamed of themselves when they talking it. And they seeing that they need, 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 especially here in Philly, where you, where you got, you got it ready made, right, right? So, you know, so that's how I took that. Right. All right. Well, let's take it to the blunt. Uh, we are going to take it to the okay. Philly blunt. We're going to hit you with rapid fire questions. Uh, you're going to give us okay. rapid fire answers. I suck at social media and pop knowledge. I can tell you right now. So we'll keep I'm it. We'll keep it. Yeah. We'll keep we, it we, personable. We've yes, seen your Twitter personal. account. We know. We know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sparse. Uh, all right. Uh, where would you most want to have a second home? Uh, in the Caribbean. Where was your? And, uh, what's your? What's your favorite venue in the city that's no longer here? <clears throat> G's Black House. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, you have to pick one. Jimmy Rollins or Ryan Howard? Ooh. Jimmy Rollins. That's the correct That's answer. Okay. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> who, is, who, is somebody, who is somebody you saw back in the day uh, that was one of the greatest performers that you ever saw, but they didn't blow up? Oh, I would have to say MC Breeze. Mm. I would have to say MC Breeze. I'm going to keep it really local. Um, yeah. And I've had long <laughs> talks with him about that. And um, it's, just a, it's just a shame. I just say that. Is yeah, he, but it's yeah. definitely he did, him. Is he the guy that did the Rocky song? Um, no, he did. Um, 
Why am love I it when he's wrong. At the, at the name? Yeah, I love uh, it when he's wrong in underground <laughs> hip hop. Love it. Breeze is from the Breeze is from the way back days, man. Yeah, the Schooly D days and what. Schooly D days, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, Dame, what do you prefer? Uh, writing for a, a, a organization, a newspaper, or writing for yourself? And what's the differences? Would you say? Um, when you're writing for yourself, you you control your output more. Uh, but it's more breathtaking because you know you're trying to eat off this. So you know you gotta you gotta also be able to sell it. You know, I'm a bitter old school cat in a lot of ways, man. I see a lot of reporters just straight stealing money, and um, mm. there's a lot of that going on right now. But uh, it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> so I, I'll put it like that. Uh, it depends on on how much you care. My problem at the Daily News was that I cared too much. Mm. So um, so that was that. But they're probably writing for myself. Okay, I was sorry. I confused him with Joe B. Ellis. Who the hell is that? Joey B. Ellis did the Rocky Five song. You don't know Joe yeah. B. Ellis? Reef. Come on, Reef. Yeah, come on. You don't know Joe B. Ellis? Come on. I thought, yeah. Uh, uh, all right, Damon. Do you prefer to eat a grilled cheese or a BLT? Uh, it's gonna have to be a BLT. I'm not a cheese guy. Hmm. Uh, what would be your wrestling theme music? Oh wow, wow! That's a that is a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn, can I come back to that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that is a good come question. Back I mean, that's yeah. a first. You're, you're the first one asking for a comeback. Yeah, damn! I, wow. <laughs> uh, worst interview you ever did, or interview that just went completely off the fucking rails. Oh, bro, I got so many of those, man. Um, <laughs> it'll, pro- it'll probably be a time where uh, I was, uh, two times actually, where I was interviewing this, this mother-daughter um, tandem, and the mother was trying to get the daughter to hit on me, but the daughter <laughs> was, was way too, like, young, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> talk other shit, but, man, you know, through lessons learned, you know, you can't cross those, those right. shits up, man. I, right, I'm a right. married man, so let me just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that, and it's, it always seems that, that, that that's the type weirdest shit, man. Um, one, the, the most surreal interview that I ever had, I would have to say, is a, is a um, tie between uh, Farrakhan and Paul Rusesa Begina. Both okay. of those uh, were, like, just surreal. Surreal, yeah. All right, so just to play back on what we were talking about earlier, I'm going to have my Caucasian brothers back and stay focused. What is your wrestler okay. entrance theme song? <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with, with something like um, like Raw by Big Daddy Kane. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Not, not Go For It by Joey B. <laughs> now we're now we have to pay this guy like seven cents for copyright. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh by the way, oh by the way, and I'm not you know it was also known as MC Breeze. Oh, it is MC Breeze. It might have been it the same. Guy. It might have been the same guy. Yeah. All right, we gotta have to look. We have to look. Yeah, actually, I think that I have a vague, I have a vague memory of that. I yeah. actually think that you might be on to something with that. And every time I see it under two different names, I automatically think copyright or something is jammed up. Or, or, he, or, he, or he wanted to try to change his image, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 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 
Um, all right, let's see. Where are we? Uh, what Nero. do people do too much of today? I would say too much. What people do too much today? Yep. Uh, bitching without action. All right, you're in the press room. The microphone is yours. What question are you asking him who shall not be named? What kind of cryptic uh, question? <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely Trump. confused here. Oh, 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 all right. Oh, oh, all right. You guys thought we were talking some street jive. You fucking <laughs> racist. <laughs> you fucking I wasn't going to call him out on that shit. Really, cause they're your boy. Wait, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, you're in the press room. They pass you the mic. What are you asking? He who shall not be named, because I don't like saying his fucking name. I, I thought oh. this was like a 2003, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. MC Breeze. <laughs> I, would ask, I would ask why. You why? Know, see, if I'm just hopping in fresh right now, I just right. need to know why. You know, why have you failed so miserably? I mean, he has <laughs> excelled at failing. Yeah. I want to know yeah. what makes him so good at failing. Right. Yeah. What's the secret? What's the secret to the success? <laughs> yeah. Of epic failure. I mean, it's like he must be on the steroids of failing. I mean, he must get injections like every night. Performance losing enhancing drugs. So much losing. Oh. My gosh. Can't get enough of this shit. All right, go ahead, Greg. So, finish uh, it up. You got a favorite Nick Cage movie? Oh, uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, that would probably be, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. I was just watching Everyone does. the other day, but he got his ass with the gnat. So I'm going to have to go probably with uh, National Treasure 2. All right. Nice. Oh, two. Nice. He goes two. So, right. I like yeah. Con Air for me. Con Air. I was hoping okay. he was going to say Con Air. That was good, that was good too. That was, that was right there. So, yeah. so I want to wrap it up with a movie because tonight, you see my backdrop. Tonight, I watched Ghostbusters with my son. <laughs> first time he saw it. Okay. And I got to be okay. honest, it's a very overrated film. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, it's overrated, but it's Ghostbusters two shits that, all over it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's more in the in the in the historical era context. You gotta look at it kind of like that. We look it's back on this shit the and think that it's fly. Yeah, it's yeah. In the eighties. It doesn't hold up in twenty twenty. Yeah. It's like Showtime has been running all summer. Back to the Future One, Two, and Three. I mean, I don't know what is going on, but they have been <laughs> running that. I think that's a waste. That's a waste thing. <laughs> yeah, Ro and RoboCop. RoboCop. Oh, RoboCop's all right. Yeah. I remember when RoboCop shot that that's guy? That's going upstairs dick. right now. Just, we just got <laughs> right now. It's just we just got four old guys reminiscing about the '80s right now. That's yeah. I'll yeah. tell you. This is I'm our podcast our, now. This is what we do now. Podcast. <laughs> my collection. If y'all come across, if y'all come across any Generation One Transformers, I'm your guy because <laughs> right. I am putting that collection together. It got to be the authentic oh, yeah. joints, though. You know, like when hey. Megatron turned into a gun, and right. not that other shit he turns into. Right, sure. right, right. So, yeah, yo. So, Dane, where can people reach you at, man? Where can they oh, give us all your links? All where where people can get in your merchandise, yeah, all well, that other you know, stuff. You know, I play things real low-key, Reef. You know that, man. You can catch me on Twitter at DCW. 
uh, Facebook, Damon Williams. I ain't hiding from nobody. You know okay. what I'm saying? So that's it. Um, I do appreciate, you know, the dozens of folks that did pick up the John. I've yeah. also seen that Amazon had it on sale for $42. Yeah, don't buy that from Amazon. Go to Create Space and pay the $11 that you should be paying for it. For sure. um, I appreciate I, And I also want to say that, if you said that you guys was appreciative, I'm much more appreciative because y'all allowed me in. You know, y'all, sure. y'all, had to trust, y'all had to trust the press too. You know yeah. what I mean? Who is this guy talking about? He want to, you know, he, he's covering this. I never seen this dude before. My, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it took trust, you, you it always trust fair. from the community. So. Yeah. yeah, you were always fair and you were always, uh, like I said, you're very helpful in a lot of people's careers. And, you know, you're someone that when your name comes up, it's always uh, nothing but respect. So I was, ha- I was happy to have you on tonight and kind of return the favor a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, I appreciate that, brother. And keep doing your thing. All y'all keep doing y'all thing, man. I have a subscriber for life now. Believe that. So, David, you were talking about doing a weekly uh, story with us. So just reach out to our agent and lawyer, yeah. George Pacetto. He'll handle everything. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, I'm the with boxing gloves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Shit, yeah. that guy. He had like a, he had like a deer, like a deer uh, head on the wall and yeah. shit. I'm telling you, man, it was all kind of documents and scrolls and shit. Hanging scrolls. Up. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was wild, bro. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah, Another story, my man. All right, good talking with you. Appreciate y'all so much. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the sound of Philadelphia. Yo, yo, welcome to the home of brotherly love. Brothers covered in blood. The man's office is covered in bugs. The youth dreams cut short.